Hey gorgeous, this is episode number 324 with the wonderful Anke Herman. Hi, this is Anke Herman. You are listening to the Heart Cells podcast with Christine Schlonsky. Enjoy. Well, have you ever been frustrated by tech stuff? I for sure have. And therefore, I have an amazing guest today, Anke Herman. And she's a business coach, an online tech mentor and consultant. She's the author of Taming the Tech Monster. She's a podcast host and a dog lover. In 2004, Anke quit her software developer job in the UK to start her own business in Spain. And today she helps passionate but tech frustrated authors, coaches and educators to map out the steps and implement the online tech needed to turn their big vision into a flourishing business without the headache. So I am so super excited to have Anke on the show today. In case we have not yet met, I'm Christine Schlonsky, host of HeartSales Podcast podcast where I talk with inspirational, successful, heart-centered entrepreneurs and business leaders about how they have built a successful business. And as you might guess, in many cases, these entrepreneurs had to overcome their own challenges and struggles with selling, and so they can share from their heart and can give you amazing tips and advice. Some of my past guests include Bob Berg, Anne Wilson, Kate Erickson, Anthony Inario, Susie Carter, Andrea Waltz, just to name a few. And this episode is brought to you by Heart Cells Academy, where we support heart-centered, ambitious entrepreneurs to really redefine sales so that they can see sales as love, can grow their business exponentially together with the impact they are creating, and they can create a lifestyle and the freedom they are looking for. So if selling doesn't feel good for you, if sales is something you try to avoid, then you want to hop on over to christineschlonsky.com and get more information on how we can help you to create a business that you love while having more impact and selling more with ease, grace and confidence, being authentic in the process. So let's dive into today's episode with Anke Herman, where we talk about lots of things and also about the slippery slope of rejection. Well, I am so super excited you're here, Anke. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, and we have a really interesting topic, which at first sight, it does not really have anything to do with sales. But when you look closer... It does have to do with sales because it will help people to free up time so they can actually sell by doing things maybe in a better way or in a way that's easier for them. Um, we talk about taming the tech monster, <laughs> which for so many coaches, uh, solopreneurs, healers, right? They want to serve, but they do not want to be held back by all the tech stuff. So tell me a little bit, like, how did you get into tech, especially as a woman? And <laughs> why is it such an important topic for the entrepreneur who does not have like a huge company yet or who is really kind of starting out or in the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I got into the world of technology in the mid 90s, more or less by accident, to be honest. I was stressed out and tired by my 
badly paid, stressful translator job. And I literally sent out my resume to anybody who'd have it. And I got a job in a software company. And all of a sudden I found myself surrounded by, you know, all the programming tools and, and programmers who were at the work with a lot of enthusiasm and passion. And I, my job was also giving me enough time to explore and to try things out. And I really got hooked quite quickly because I, as an ex-translator, it felt, oh, you know, programming, that's just like a real language, but simpler because it's more <laughs> structured and it doesn't have all the exceptions. So I was, I've really felt drawn to it. And it didn't take long until colleagues would come and say, hey, you know, why don't you take this and this industry exams? You could get a job at this. And I was like, oh, but I, do I really want to work in, a, in an all-male environment? I wasn't keen. I imagined this to be really difficult and I'd have to be twice as good to be half as accepted. And, and I wasn't really technical growing up. I wasn't a tomboy at all. Like I was, you know, very girly in that sense. And so I thought I had too much to catch up to ever be any good at this. And so I put up quite a bit of resistance until curiosity kind of won me over. And I thought, well, let's, I can try it out. If I don't like it, I don't have to keep going that way. And I found that literally all the ideas that I had about why this was going to be difficult turned out to be not true. Hmm. Right. Sounds a little bit so, like sales. <laughs> exactly. Right. So there was um, a lot of that and, and it's, it's a big, big part of what I work on with my clients these days because there's a lot of the time people have those same um fears about oh i'm not cut out for this i'm not technical i'm a woman i'm too old because i also got into this relatively late and i've seen all of that not to be true and it's important for people to start breaking these assumptions open because as you said if you allow the tech hurdle to take up too much of your time. Yeah, you don't have time for other really important things to build your business. And headspace is a big one. You know, it's a time mm. itself, but it's also the headspace and feeling preoccupied with it and having that sense that all you worry about is, is some tech thing and you don't even have your head free to be creative when it comes to selling or to marketing or to offering or serving your clients. So it's really the non-technical part of the tech problem is really where, where the key of it all is. Mm. So, so interesting. I just love hearing those stories. Like I, I got there by accident. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I believe there are no, no accidents and I, I mm -hmm. somehow have that feeling that you believe that too. <laughs> yep. And, yep. And, and I love how you said that like tech is so much easier because there are no exceptions. Right, but you learn a language, there's so many exceptions. Uh, like grammar usually for me is well, 
nothing yeah. I really enjoy. I do pick it up. Well, of course, if you learned it in school, then you have to follow a certain system to survive the class. <laughs> but <laughs> when you learn it in real life, uh, I just feel like tuning in, listening, picking, picking it up, uh, imitating, um, it really, really helps in acquiring that skill. But it's so true once you are over that hurdle, over the resistance that where I was in a long, long time, that I didn't want to waste time with all the technical stuff. I didn't know what to expect when I started my business. You know, just a calendar tool is not enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love, I love having that conversation today with you, um, especially how people can overcome those tech hurdles so they can free up their time for sales. And with sales, maybe they have the same emotions around it. Like this is something I have to do, but I don't enjoy doing it. And I feel like this is kind of like a parallel world, sales and tech. Mm -hmm. People very, usually very much do so. not enjoy it, but they do need it to have a successful business. So curiosity won you over. When your clients come to you, they're probably not as curious as you used to be <laughs> to really figure out the thing. So they come and hire you. Tell us a little bit about the mindset and also like how when you started your business, how you overcame your mindset in, you know, selling or selling more or really being all of a sudden going from a job to a business owner. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in that question. When people come to me, they usually have an idea for something that they want to create. You know, sometimes it's like I'm starting out with a business or sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of creating this online program or a series of workshops, but then they know they need at least part of it to be implemented online and they don't usually even know where to start. And quite often they've been sold certain systems, certain platforms that turned out to be not perfect. And they're, so they're, they're hesitant, they're not quite sure. And there's really that, and I really see it all the time. What looks like a tech problem never is. And even the, the resistance, even the, the, ooh, tech is, even the fear of it, nobody is scared of pixels on a screen, right? What people hate is that feeling of overwhelm, information overload. It's when you're standing there and there's somebody's throwing balls at you from all sides and you just can't catch them all and you, you know, that feeling people hate. People hate the feeling of being out of their depth, of not under, or having that feeling that they don't really understand. They're in the jungle and don't really know their way around. And there's this sensation that there's predators lurking behind every vine. That's, the, that's what people hate, not the pixels on the screen, not a piece of software tool or, you know, nobody hates a tool. It's that sensation of, I'm vulnerable for being taken for a ride. I don't even know what to ask. When I ask, I don't really understand the explanation because most of the time the explanations assume a certain level of knowledge that a lot of people just simply don't have when you first start out. So there's, it's all of that that makes the tech and the sales, <laughs> you know, turn yeah. into you know, turn into a challenge. It's really very much, very much the same, the same thing. And I remember when I first 
left the job and started out on my own. I really, the biggest hurdle I found separating myself from what I was selling, right? because it, seem, it seems always easy when you sell on behalf of a company, right? Then all of a sudden when somebody says no, well, you know, you don't want it, well, whatever. But if I sell something that involves me as a person, then all of a sudden it's so easy to go down that slippery slope of a rejection says something about me, about my capabilities, about, you know, that rejection feels really personal and seeing through that was the biggest challenge. But once you see through it, that people will always just buy what makes sense for them, then it's much easier to, you know, to show up fully and to not, make a big story around somebody saying no to something you offer. Mm. Yeah, that's such an important lesson. And, you know, looking at, um, you know, your CV, so to speak, like you, you, you know, you lived in Germany, you moved to the UK, you're now in Spain. So there is a lot of potential <laughs> that you gave yourself to be rejected, right? Changing or switching a culture, changing country, changing language is not that easy. So when, when you look back, was it, do you feel it was easier for you moving country than selling? Or is it like, was it an equally strange feeling at first? I think selling was harder in a sense because I guess it's always the, the challenges you expect, they're easier to deal with because you can mentally prepare you. But I think our upbringing and at least, you know, uni and anything I did before didn't prepare me for being my own boss. Mm. So the challenges that came there were really from directions that I didn't see coming at all. Like yeah. I did not know that this was going to be such a crash course in personal development, that it was more about who I am becoming than what I'm selling. It's not just about the product. Like I have to become the person who can, you know, sell that to somebody in a way so that they can see the value and they know that they're getting their money's worth out, out of whatever I'm offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the comparison with crash course and personal development. That's that's what I feel too. Like going into entrepreneurship really is probably the best course in personal development you can take because now like all the theory right becomes really really practical all at once, and there's no time to to adjust. It's either you've got to make it or you you don't. And um, yeah, it's, it's beautifully said. And I think it would have been easier if I'd been in, if I'd looked into the direction of personal development before I started my business, it probably wouldn't have surprised me that much. But I came with this total innocence, like, oh, starting my own business. Well, that sounds like a good plan. Let's go for it. So I really didn't have any idea of, of this whole world of personal development. So I was totally surprised when it all of a sudden felt really personal when somebody says, oh, but can I now also have this? Or, ooh, can I have this cheaper? And, you know, it opened up all these, all these 
beliefs and assumptions that all of a sudden became visible and you can't hide it. And because then also you have nowhere to hide. You can't hide behind a job description. You can't hide in a team or you can't kind of hide behind a boss or anything. So it's just, you're there, you're standing in front of the waves and you take it all. You know? mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's so true. I love the piece that you can't basically, you can't hide anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very very true. So for all those brave souls who are listening, mm-hmm. who are obviously into self development, into creating a company or planning a company, and really want to become their their own boss, what do you feel was one of your biggest learnings? And you know, in regards to sales that you mastered and that you could share with the audience today. The one thing that jumps to mind is that it has nothing to do with you. People buy what is of value to them right now. And I think a lot of the time we are so, especially when we're so emotionally invested in what we're offering, we make it a lot about us and what what we want them to experience and what we want them to have. But it's easy to forget that people don't, don't, care for them your offering is just one of the things they scroll past on a daily basis online or wherever so it's about the value they perceive for themselves and if you start looking at everything through that lens from what you put on your website to how you offer your course, what you act, how you describe what you're offering, if you have a, a course or a program. And it's incredible how often people send me, oh, can I have a look at my website or can you have a look at my landing page? And I'm looking at this, so why should I care, right? It's all about them. It's all about I want to do this and I want to offer that. And you think, well, people don't care. Show me how this is val- valuable to me. And we're talking. And I think that shift of perspective is, is I think, the most crucial element of all of it. Yeah, putting yourself into the client's shoes, mm. right? Or as I, I say, the soulmate client, like really the person you want to attract and not making any compromise because you're not you're, you're the boss, right? I mean, you can't hide you can't hide behind someone or behind the company or job description, as you said earlier. But also now you can make the decisions, and nobody oh, can so force true. you to work with someone you don't want to work with. I, like that is true. I wish somebody had told me <laughs> sooner in the beginning. When I, I I definitely fell for that pretty badly in the first few years that I thought if somebody comes to me inquiring about what I'm offering, that it was my, almost like like a shop, a retail shop where you walk in and you'd expect, okay, I'm coming in here, I want this. And it's your obligation to give to me what, you know, what I want. Mm-hmm. And to realize that, as you say, I don't have to work with anybody if I don't want to. Yeah, that was kind of liberating. And, there was, there's a saying of a guy called Landon Porter. He has a podcast as well. And he phrased it in a way that always stuck with me. And he said, be very careful who you allow to obligate you with their money. Ooh, mm. I like and that. And I just really, that really hit home for me because it's so true. And 
and I've, you know, I've put my foot in <laughs> on several occasions where I wasn't careful and found myself working with people that weren't a great fit. And then you don't, like, I didn't get to do my best work. They didn't get the best results. So it doesn't really, you're not doing them a favor either. So yeah, to be yeah. really clear on who you can do your best work with, I think that's probably more important than we initially think. When we're sort of so worried about getting anybody to buy something, uh, to, to have that strength to say, no, no, I, I want to deliver my best work. And that happens with these people who have that problem. Yeah, totally. Like getting really, really clear on who you serve and who you want to serve, right? I, mm -hmm. I feel when you really have that connection, that's why I call them soulmate clients. True. Because if I don't want them over for dinner, well, then I, true. you know, then I don't want to work with them at all. And, you know, this is obviously not true for an online course or for, a, you know, an all access pass for a summit series. But in general, the more I spend of my time or I invest of my time, I want to really make sure I have the right people in front of me. Because as you said, I know, you know, doing the best work, that's, that's what I want to do. That lights me up. I guess it takes a few misfits to even know yourself who the soulmate clients are. So I think you probably can't jump the process, that process of getting clear on who that is. Mm. You know, you, I mean, I think being conscious of it helps a lot, probably shortcuts a lot of the, the trouble, but I don't think you can sort of skip and go straight to perfect client all in one go. I think you... I think it's a dance, like you step out with something, but then it also depends on sometimes it's surprising who actually responds. I always, it always feels like part of it is pattern spotting. You know, when you look at the people you work with and think, okay, who did I most enjoy or who did, who got the best results, which is usually the same people and then find what do they have in common? That's really quite interesting. And it doesn't always include everything you thought of in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think when you put it out, at least, that you kind of have a checklist. And mm. then when you when you see the red flags, you have the strength to say no. And then it, it is a process. And I, you know, I always redefine my process yeah. as well. Right. I have like the list with who the perfect soulmate is and then from time to time I you know I add stuff that I didn't see before with like oh I really like this this is mm. so aligned this was so much fun like add it in yeah. and and then the more clarity you have it's it's true there's probably no one you know hit it 100% at the first time but also not making the mistake of taking someone on board that you regret taking on board um, can, can be avoid it. And, um, you know, I, I did listen to, to my coaches and mentors and people who told these, well, basically horror stories <laughs> of wishing and praying that the contract was over because they took them on board because they needed the money and all of that. I was like, oh no, I never want to be in that situation. Yeah. So knock on wood, I haven't, but I do redefine my soulmate client, um, on a regular base. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what what uh, was the very, very first thing that you ever sold in your entire life? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember. It was, it was actually a dress that I made for a friend. And it was really interesting because she had um, a party coming up. Like, I think it was sort of her parents' anniversary or something. And she wanted to wear a dress. Now, the thing she had, she had like her upper body was a different size from her lower body. So she could find skirts, she could find blouses, but she'd never find a piece that would fit, you know, all over. So I made her a dress. Mm. Yeah. So that was cool. the first time I ever got paid for, you know. For your work. Yeah, how, something. Did, how did it feel? It felt fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. I, I love these stories because, you know, mm. just seeing what kind of interaction did you have did it feel good or did it not feel good did you get in trouble depending you know your age and what you sold um or not <laughs> it, it, it really kind of defines the, your relationship with money as well in a certain sense for as an entrepreneur that's very interesting I never thought of it like that but actually now that you're saying it, that wasn't even the first one no that was actually something I made but it's always something that I made And that dress was not the first thing because I remember now, like even earlier at school, I made, I can't remember, like a scarf or like knitting. It was something knitted or crocheted or something that I had. And this friend of mine goes, oh, I love this. I love this. And she didn't pay me with money because we we're like 12. We didn't have any money. But she paid me with samples of lipsticks and stuff that her like little, little, Avon kind of samples that she had. And that was like, we were in East Germany, like that was a treasured price, you know, that was probably worth more than, than money. So that was the first time that I got kind of paid for something that I made. Yeah, cool. very exciting. So you exchanged, mm. yeah, awesome, awesome. Great, great story. Mm. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to have the next conversation with you. Time just flies by. Anything you want to leave us with for this first episode? I think having your own business and selling and tech, it's all the same thing. It's perhaps more demanding than you're being sold by a lot of the messages that come at you from all angles. But at the same time, it's also so much more satisfying that you, than you can even imagine when you first start out. It's just all a little bit more intense <laughs> than you might, might think. So it's definitely a, red pill kind of experience but i don't think you'll ever regret it well thank you so so much and i'm looking forward to our next interview me too well if you ever have faced tech frustration in your life you probably could relate pretty well with this episode i hope you have gotten lots of golden nuggets out of this episode and if you feel that you could support some of your friends by listening to hard sales podcast please just go ahead and share the podcast with your friends Hop on over to christineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab and the episode with Anke, where you will also find the transcripts, the show notes, all the links that connect to Anke, as well as the resources we talked about. Once you're over there, sign up for the empowerment notes. That is empowerment right into your inbox, where I share updates on Hard Sales Podcast, where I also share some amazing resources, tools, and things that I have learned on my entrepreneurial journey. 
Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in this beautiful world. And I'm saying bye for now. Bye.